Welcome to another episode of It's a Patch Life podcast. I am your host, Celeste, and today I have with me not only someone I consider a friend, but a sibling. This is my brother, Simon. Hi. <laughs> and for those of you who don't know, we grew up in a family with 13 kids. I us. am the third, and you are? Number 10. Number 10. So we are, ooh, how many Almost years? exactly opposite ends of the family. Yeah, we are at opposite ends. Of, um, exactly opposite ends. Of, well, not I guess quite. one off. Jay would be. So I'm down two here. Yeah, whatever. Thirty, whatever. It's ridiculous either way. What year were you born? Nineteen eighty-eight. Eighty-eight. So I am eleven years mm-hmm. older than you. That sounds right. So when I left home, you would have been in sixth grade. Also sounds right. No, mm. you would have been in fifth because your birthday is in November. I thought that I would do a special episode tonight and just kind of cut it in front of some of the other interviews that I have since Simon is here visiting with me. I'm happy to have you, Simon. Yeah, it's good to be here. Yeah. So Simon is a energy healer. He is also a bio (laughs) biomedical engineer, biomedical engineer. He is a massage therapist. I kind of am a little bit of a jack of a lot of weird traits. I don't, I think it's cool though. I like it. It's, it's really nice because the combination, it allows me to enter a lot of conversations on a lot of ends of society, especially in the medical realm. Like I'm interacting with people who are astrologists and star chart readers, and then I'm on the opposite end talking to doctors and engineers. So it's kind of a fun. Yeah, I like it. I like, I it, like it too. It's really easy to have a conversation with you because you are so diversified. And yeah. then sometimes I just have to be like, shut up, genius. Stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I'm a genius. Um, I had to work very hard for my degree. That was not. But let's talk about how you had to work hard for your degree because you didn't even graduate high school. Let's talk about that. Mm. It's actually a cool story. It is a cool story. It's not because you're like a dropout. No, I think it's funny because I show up on some statistics that are used to show like that a certain program worked because I am a high school dropout. Anyway, so I went to Germany as a foreign exchange student um, my senior year of high school because that was the only way my parents were going to let me do it is if I did it that year. What year was that? What do you remember? What 2006, year? 2007. So. so it was just after Rory had been born. Mm-hmm. It was that year. Yeah. So, which is why I wasn't at your concert and stuff that yeah. you did. You did like a fundraising concert. And yeah. That. We, I was in postpartum mm-hmm. nonsense. It was, it was a time for you. It was a time. <laughs> <laughs> That's how I refer to my hard times. I'm like, it, it was, was a time. time. Um, yeah, so I got to do that and it was a really cool experience, but the German credits don't transfer. Well, it wasn't even just that like they didn't transfer. It's that like they so regularly don't transfer that schools in Germany just straight up won't even give you credits. They're just like, so you went through a program with Rotary Club. (laughs) I was a Rotary Youth Exchange student. Say that 10 times fast. No, don't try. No, No, don't don't even try. Um, yeah, but it was, it was a lot of fun and I uh, grew a lot, absolutely worth it, but I came back with no high school diploma. Um, and while I was still in Germany, they, I was like, well, I want to go to college, obviously that's what I do with my life. Um, no, really, that's what I've done with most of my life is just go to college, right? <laughs> like perpetual, perpetual education. You, uh-huh. and, you and our brother number two. Yeah. Except for I didn't end up with a doctor. <laughs> I only have a bachelor's. No, but you give great massages. I give great massages. <laughs> Say yeah. that Mark. I'm just kidding. And he's, 
he probably would say that I give great massages because he's had one. <laughs> so while I was there, I messaged the college that I wanted to go to. I had already taken the ACT. I had great ACT scores. I had pretty good grades in high school. And I messaged them and I was like, so this is the situation. Like, I don't have a high school diploma. I'm not going to get one. Do I need to take the GED when I get back? How do I apply? Like, how do you want me to do this? And they're like, oh, just apply as an early admit student. And I was like, okay, so I jumped through those hoops. But the thing is, if you apply as an early admit student, you actually are not supposed to get your GED. I don't understand why, but whatever. So I did. I went straight to college without a high school diploma. And that was BYU? Yeah, that was BYU. Because they already know in the podcast that we grew up Mormon. Um, Simon has also left Left Mormonism. This podcast isn't about that today, but yeah. So... Yeah, that was BYU. Um, it's the only college I applied to. I actually even got a scholarship going to them because it was an academic one, right? Great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was an academic scholarship. See, genius. No, um, <laughs> I lost it after the first semester. I was college is a whole other ballpark. Well, yeah, and I had mental illnesses and other things that were going in and trying to process shit, and there was just so much. It just oh, my freshman year was a joke. Right, and I think it, I think I, <laughs> I would have been so much better off doing like a gap year or something. I don't know though because see, but I kind of did do a gap year. I mean, like yeah, essentially. So I I don't even know so much if it was like about one year or whatever. I did think that starting at when I dropped out of BYU and UVU because <laughs> I did that too um and became a massage ther- well I became a massage therapist before UVU it's all whatever but anyways after I became a massage therapist and we moved to Arizona this is what I was saying is how I'm in statistics of things I was finally medicated for my bipolar disorder and um I was like I'm actually you know capable of functioning as a human this is weird. <laughs> and so I wanted to go to the community college because but you, had, you needed a GED. I needed a GED in order to get into it without having to, like, there's a way to do it without it, but it would have been jumping through hoops and it would have been really annoying. The thing is they had such a low resident. So the residents of the county I lived in, um, most of them Don't were not even, most of them didn't even get a high school diploma. Like over 70% of them did not even have a high school diploma. So um, they had this program. If you got a high enough, they had, they had written grants, they did all the jump through all the hoops. So if I got a high enough score on the GED through them, I would get two years of my education paid for. And you were able to utilize that. Yeah. That's awesome. It was there and I felt a little bad utilizing it, but at the same time, I actually made their program more successful because I now I'm on a statistic of their success. Well, it means they're more likely to be able to get grants like that in the future for students who really need it. And that made me feel better. And I did need that financial boost to get that education. So it's not like we had family that could help pay or. And I had used a lot of my financial aid trying to get my um, massage therapy certificate. So I didn't have a whole lot. No. So you've been a massage therapist now for how many years? Mm, 12, almost. I was in clinics. 12 years ago right now. That's awesome. So I've been working on people for 12 years. And I love being one of the people you work on. Mm, I worked on you. I worked on you a lot. Well, you're the reason that I became a massage therapist. You're welcome. (laughs) No, really, really. Absolutely. Best thing ever. That's because you always could sense the energy shifts in a person's body from the time you were super little and I needed help. So I remember, I remember one time in particular, you're laying on our living room floor and I'm like, working on your back. Like I knew what I was talking about. This is like, I was like, maybe junior high, maybe. Yeah. Right. And you're like asking me like what I'm feeling when I'm doing it. And you're like, what does it feel like? I'm like, it feels like green. (laughs) 
And you're like, what does that even mean? I was like, I don't know. It just feels green. You sensed colors. I sensed colors. And I was sense. I sensed temperature differences. Well, no, no, but I can't sense temperature. I had, right. okay, I put my hands on there. I felt the temperature. I remember this though, because I, I was, what I was looking there. for was the temperature explanation. And you said a color and I was like, <laughs> what? <laughs> It was green in particular. So now as an energy healer, especially because I can actually picture the shade of green when like, because of that memory is so clear and that shade of green in particular, when I run into it in other places, it has to do with love. I don't know if there was just like an abundance of love coming from me to you, or if whatever we were working was associated with something that had to do with love for you. It's way too long in the past. Right. You were so young. It's not like you would have understood it. I had no idea. I was just like, this is green. So yeah. So um, Mm -hmm. my freshman year of college, if I had done a gap year, I Mm -hmm. wouldn't have had the experience that I had where my depression finally showed up in a deep way because for the first time I'm on my own, I'm away from home. I'm dealing with a lot of the abuse and things that happened in the home that you don't have the luxury of dealing with it when you're in the middle of it, because you're just trying to survive. Mm -hmm. And I'm dealing with it. Then at the same time, I'm also trying to go home as often as possible because I feel guilty about leaving my siblings. And so there's that component. Anyway, I was missing a lot of school. I was sleeping a lot and I had some roommates and I was really pissed at the time, but I'm so thankful for it now that they went to a trusted adult and shared that I was missing classes and I was sleeping too much. And this adult approached me and then got me set up through the university clinic to go in and start getting therapy. Mm-hmm. Now, the the downside on that, I don't know. Is it a downside? I don't know. Mandatory reporting is a thing. Mm-hmm. And I know that at Thanksgiving, my freshman year, I'm thinking it was right after that, that it was reported, that the abuse was reported. Because I remember coming back from having been at that particular um, home visit over Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And the parents had been fighting so bad that I honestly thought they were going to kill each other. And I kicked them out of the house and I told them they could go up in the mountains and they could kill themselves. I didn't care, but they weren't going to do it in front of their kids. And for some reason they listened and they left the house. They were gone for like four or five hours. And I honestly didn't know if they were coming back, didn't care if they were, they came back and they were just, they just went to their separate spaces, you know, which was like silent treatment anger at that point. But when I went back to school, that next therapy session, I was talking to the therapist about what had happened. And he was like, so he asked me, and I remember the look on his face was kind of weird. And he had asked me, so is this abuse still happening with your siblings at home? And I was like, of course it is. It's not like it just stopped, you know? And I had just come to terms through him with the fact that it was abuse for one. And then for two that, yeah, it was still happening. There was nothing I could do about it. And he told me in that session, he was like, you know, it's not your job to save your siblings. And that was, <laughs> that was really hard to hear. Yeah. I, I mean, that, that snort laugh was me being like, what do you mean? I mean, I mean, I, I understand this as a conscious adult, but I put myself in the spot that you would have been as like, like, yeah, I was, oh God, I was yeah. a protector. I'd been a protector. I had, I would purposely aggravate mom to direct her anger towards me. And then another sibling would swoop the kids out. And it's not like we ever talked about what we were doing until we were adults. And we were having this conversation and that sibling said to me, um, you would just piss mom off all the time. And I would just try to get the kids out of the way. And I was like, you know why I did that though. Right. Because she was going to blow. I knew she was going to blow. You'd see the signs, you know, the signs she's going to blow. So I would direct the anger towards myself by doing something that I knew that would direct it towards me so that this sibling could move all the other kids out. And there's so many coping mechanisms that kids come up with when you grow up in situations that are volatile like that. 
that just, yeah. So I took on this protector role. Anyway, this therapist, what he said to me was your, your real responsibility is to build yourself and to show them that you can survive this, that you can be a healthy and productive adult and then be a safe space for them to land. And that was my goal. Then it was important to me. And several times throughout life, I've had different siblings come and live with me because my home is a safe place to be. And I, I love being able to open my door and say, Hey, come and stay with me. And, and, but even like, I never lived with you when I was younger, but I, yours was still the safe place to be. If I like needed a family connection, but did not want to go home for obvious reasons, come um, stay at our house. I would just bit. come for a weekend or a week or we would, you know, whatever, like I did that. Yeah. Lot. And that's what I wanted and was you, that my home would be a safe place. So I've, I've had similar thoughts like, oh, should I have gone to BYU right away? Should I have done those things? And I don't, I don't have, you can't really go back though. This right. Is, right. You know, no, but this is what I was going to say is I had a similar thing too, where like that first year at BYU, that's when you were the one who pressured me to go on an antidepressant. Cause you needed it. Oh God, I needed it. I needed it so bad. And we grew up in a home where that wasn't seen as something that was okay. But, but because I had you and um, one of our other sisters had seen them go on antidepressants. Like I would like, I had rationalized it enough into my thing where I wasn't like, well, people who are on antidepressants are bad the way that my mom approached it. Like I thought that was bullshit, but internalizing it for myself was a different thing. Like it's a different thing. Well, because I think that she was looking at it, like based on my experience with it, with her, with it, right. Is it felt like she was looking for the antidepressant to fix the problems, but what it does is it just, it helps your brain to be able to function at the, so you can fix so that problems. you can fix the problems. Like you're, oh, yeah. I remember she was on Prozac for a while um, after one of the babies and she, when things had gotten really bad and she said, it didn't do anything for me. Like now my life is hell, but now I just don't care. And two things with that one, it was numbing her to a point where she was completely apathetic, which means it was either the wrong medication or the wrong dosage or which, both, which me having done that genetic test, that Prozac's one that my body didn't metabolize. Yeah. So if that's a thing that for mom was also true, like it probably was just like the wrong medicine. I believe and, it was. Well, and you have to realize like it was back. This would have been back in the 80s. late eighties, late eighties. In fact, it was probably around when you were born. <laughs> That sounds right. <laughs> but it was um, because we were in the far West house, but it was, it was late eighties and it wasn't, there wasn't the education around those things back then, especially not in the in, Mormon no, community gosh, back then. No. They were anti um, psychiatrists, psychologists, therapy and medication at that point in time. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you have to, you have to accept all of that, right? Yeah. It's, it's a mess. It's a mess. But let's, anyway, let's fast forward to my life because yeah. I'm important. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you'd like that. Yeah, I did. I love that. Okay. Yeah. So uh, as a as a young adult, like here I am, I had been trying to do therapy, but it was like scratching the surface, right? Because mm-hmm. what I really had was a chemical imbalance going on. And I also had all this trauma and all these other things, and it just wasn't working. I had experienced worse depressions in my life, and I had been living in trauma at the same time as I was experiencing those depressions. So like when I went to Celeste and she was like you're depressed. You need to go on. It would be helpful if you went on some, however you were in it. It doesn't, I was just like, I've been more depressed and I'm fine now. This is like, (laughs) I put my little toes in the water. This is not me like depressed. This is like, 
hey, look, the water's a little wet. You know, like I was just, I was so like, I'm not drowning. Yeah. Basically (laughs) I was like, I'm fine. But like, it bothered me that Celeste had said that, but not because like I was bothered in a mad at me. No, I wasn't mad at you at all, but like, it was like, okay, what is she saying? What is she saying? So I went home and um, this is Google existed at this point. So I <laughs> we have to clarify, have that, to clarify it because it wasn't when I was in younger in high school, it didn't exist. So <laughs> yeah. Uh, Google was a thing at this point, you know, Gmail existed even we had reached that. Dun, 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 dun. But yeah, so I Googled the symptoms of depression and Google was still fairly new. So there was still resources were more limited. Yeah. But there was, you know, there was, there was enough resources and I found this website. I don't even know what it was. It was a test, right? Didn't you take a depression test? It wasn't even a depression test. No, this is what I did is I found the symptoms of depression and I basically tested myself and I read through the symptoms of depression. And you were like, shit. And I had all (laughs) but two, two. (laughs) all but two, every single symptom of depression, but two. And one of them, I'm going to throw a caveat on there that I actually did have, but you weren't recognizing it. That I wasn't recognizing it for what it was because I thought everybody wanted to die. So Oh, yeah, you know. Hmm. That's not normal. You know that now, no, right? Yeah, okay. yeah. All right, cool. <laughs> I remember you called me after you had taken that test. Mm-hmm. Well, I my understanding was that you sure. took a test, yeah. I so. might have taken a test after, but that was like the so, first thing was. Um, and you said that you'd had all but two, and I, and I was like, what are you going to do about it? And you were kind of feeling lost, and I told you to look into the school's mm-hmm. mental health services. Is that what ended up happening? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, uh, like I said, I had done, I had already been going to the little like counselor clinic they had, but I got into the medical side of it, the <laughs> medical side of it more to psychiatrist and, instead of just a, I, I think it was just a doctor, but it, it was, um, but anyways, I went into a doctor and they also sent me to one of the therapists at the clinic. So it was going through my insurance instead of just like the school's providing the free therapy type of like it was a little different but yeah so actually I remember there's there's a couple things that happened from that particular thing so I I remember sitting in the lobby and filling out the stupid ass questionnaire about depression and this is the first time in my life that I really let myself be honest about what I was feeling with depression in terms of talking to somebody about it even with Celeste like I I had never really vocalized like all these because it's not safe to no and then you have to be like if you're honest about it then you're gonna realize just how bad things really are yeah and that does that's not safe either no yeah so I filled out this little questionnaire though and I took it in and I handed it to the doctor and he like looks at me and I'm like sitting here like panicking that I'm not going to be depressed enough or that I am going to be depressed enough. Like both sides are, you don't know what to expect. Well, yeah. I don't know what to expect. I have no idea. But also like if they diagnose me with depression now, all of a sudden I'm going to have to take medicine forever. Or if they don't diagnose with me with depression, I'm just stuck like this forever. Like both of sides sound terrible. So I was sitting here like panic about it. And the doctors like looked at my questionnaire. He asked me a couple of questions and I think he could see my like just freak out in the head, <laughs> freak out and he looks at me and it like I could see that like this like fatherly he just really kind of just wanted to put his hand on my shoulder and be like you're okay but he didn't because you know professional boundaries um which is also good but he looked at me and he said we're glad you're here we wish you'd come sooner but we're glad you're here and it just like that's a good doctor <laughs> a very good doctor A very good doctor. And I just, it just like hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, there was two things in it. Number one, this is what I'm really supposed to do. Right. And then number two, wait, I could have come sooner. (laughs) (laughs) 
And my thought is, <laughs> wait, you think I might not have been here? Like that would be scary. Well, yeah, but he was, he was actually talking specifically about coming into the doctor. Gotcha. That's what he was saying. We're glad you're here. We're glad you came in. We wish you had come in sooner, but we're glad you're here. You're welcome. You, no, really. You're, <laughs> thank you. Um, and then he sent me to the therapist who, you know, like through the, not in, not through the school clinic, but I mean, it was a school insurance. clinic, but it was, it was the actual medical clinic. And that therapist was giving me homework. It's one of the only therapists I have who like regularly was giving me homework. I have to ask she, for it. <laughs> yeah. And she like, she sent me, she sent me, she's like, you need to read these books. And they were, they were super, super useful in helping me contextualize things outside of myself. It was phenomenal. So speaking of books, one of the questions I like to ask my okay. um, podcast guests is if they have a book that they that's like a life book like one that's like um when someone's like what is one of your favorite books I'm like and it can be anything give me a recommendation of a book that is important to you in your life ah that's a hard question I know because I got so many I got multiples thinking of specifically of mental health we'll give you the one that my therapist sent me with actually I think that from that time yeah oh perfect I think that that is the one that um, has spoken to you the most it's not so much that it's the one that spoke to me the most it's that it was the groundwork for me to be able to figure the rest out like I there's other that. books that I think might be more useful for a lot of different things but this one was just the way it was written was it's just a little bunch of vignettes of stories that like were lots of people and their stories and it kind of helped me one not feel alone but two, start to contextualize my experiences and talk in terms of the broader world and also accept that it's okay for me to honor that it was all fucked up. Yeah. What I experienced was not okay. It was, it was something that was bad, but especially because of where I was, it's also something that I can, like, I don't have to look at my life and throw it all away and say it was all trash either. Right. Well, There's I think that's beautiful moments in there yes. that I can pull out these wisdoms. Um, okay. So share the book and then I'll share a thought. Okay. So the book is Kitchen Table Wisdoms by um, Naomi Rubin. Ru- Rubin. I will add a link to that in my show notes. Sorry. Let me say the last name again. Na- Rachel Naomi Remen. I think it's Remen. R-E-M-I-N. R-E-M-E-N-E-N. Okay. Remen. So Rachel and Naomi Remen, and she was a psychiatrist too. Um, fantastic book. Let me throw something in here. Yeah. I think one of the reasons that it's so important that we talk about the abuse that was in our home is because our parents were actually, they're great people. There's a know? lot of really There's, good things about them. Like They got stuck in patterns of toxicity and abuse. And if we don't talk about what, and I think part, some of it's generational, because we've seen a lot of generational stuff yeah. that's come down, you know, like both sides. Yeah. It used to be that children were meant to be seen and not heard and children are an extension of the parents. And the way that the children are is a reflection on the honor of the family. Blah, blah, blah. Kids were not seen for a long time. I think we're just starting to get to the point where children are seen as individual human beings mm-hmm. from the time that they're born, Yeah, you know, that we're being, and it's because each generation, I think we get a little bit closer to saying this is an autonomous human being. Mm-hmm. And if we don't talk about the things that were toxic in our upbringings, not to shame parents or not to, you know, cause family drama and mm-hmm. those things. But if we don't talk about it, then we keep passing down the things that are unhealthy. Absolutely. You know, if we don't, and I think that the internet 
has helped amazingly with that because like you were saying, we, we realized we're not alone mm-hmm. in a lot of these things. We also realize we're not the only ones that are dealing with it, that it's a lot bigger and broader. And that could feel really heavy and daunting. And I think that in some times in my life it has, but in most of the time, when I look at that, I think, oh, this is, this is like a generational shift happening. Mm-hmm. This is like a universal shift that is happening with this next group of people that are saying, you know, like when I had Rory, we started seeing more coming out about gentle parenting. Mm -hmm. There had been the helicopter parent. I remember there was a book called like tiger mom that had come out and it had been in that direction for a little while. And then you started hearing more about the whole brain child and gentle parenting and these kinds of things that have come out in the last decade that are reflective of the fact that We're saying, I'm not raising my kids the way that I was raised. And it's not to say that our parents didn't do what they could with what they had to some degree. I still think that there's obviously some things that they understand that they could have done better. Um, But I just, I don't want to go into all that tonight. (laughs) But I, I do want to just clarify the fact because I've been accused at different times of being angry and bitter and the healthier I get, the easier it is for me to talk about this. Oh yeah. When I wasn't healthy, I wasn't sharing this with anybody now. The reason I can talk about it now is because I'm not angry and I'm not bitter. Yes. Sometimes anger shows up when I'm talking about, no, it's not. That's, that's the thing. Anger is not bad. Anger is healthy. And it, because it shows up when there is usually when there's some kind of injustice that's Mm -hmm. happening Yeah, or it's there to protect hurt and pain. Yeah. And instead of fighting emotions that are, we're told are unhealthy or unhappy or not good to sit with it and ask, what is this emotion trying to tell me? And when I start feeling angry, I ask myself, okay, where is the hurt or where is the disconnect? Where is the injustice? Like, what is it that this anger is trying to teach me? Mm -hmm. And then I can take the breath and have the pause and move into a space of intentionally moving to a solution instead of just tucking it down and trying to hide. Right. And so this is another this is, this is my last little take is if you don't deal with it now, you're going to deal with it later. A lot. Absolutely. And, and in more and more layers. And in more <laughs> and more layers. So like our body and our energy field hold on to things. And as a massage therapist for 12 years, you would be amazed at the things that I have brought to the surface on people. I had a client who, when she, we were having a conversation and she's like, I never cry. Um, and I was like, haha, you're going to end up crying on my table. And I said, as a joke, but like, also it was just kind of, you know, like I could tell that she needed to cry the release. Yeah. Right. So I was like, if you keep coming to me, you're going to eventually cry. Um, yeah, she did. I, uh, released it and she cried for two weeks straight and it, that wasn't a bad thing. Like she, she was like, it's annoying now, but she's like, as a 60 year old woman, like, finally I am getting to release and experience and process these things that I've been holding on to since I was a little kid. Crap. Right. So if you don't, if you, if you take that anger and you stuff it, you will have to deal with it. Like at some point in time, it's going to end up surfacing. Yeah. So it's better. And it's so much healthier to process these things and process them together than to stuff them. So I am a big fan of being honest about the things that go wrong, as well as the things that go right, because that's how we maintain a semblance of healthiness and don't have to deal with things the same way that our parents did and be able to process it when we're 60 instead of, you know, now, like how much better would it be to process this shit when I'm in my thirties or you're in your 40s? Or the fact like I'm raising my kid now to be processing it as he's growing up. Right. In his last, um, 
psychiatrist appointment, the psychiatrist actually said, could you come and give a TED talk to the rest of my patients? I have adult patients that don't understand these concepts as well as you do. And I'm not going to lie. My mom pride went, woo, woo, doing something right. Absolutely. (laughs) Because I've been like, I was thinking about it and I've been in therapy since I was 18, off and on since I was there, almost predominantly on because it's so helpful for me to continually have therapy. So I've been in therapy since I was 18 years old and I'm 45 now. Mm -hmm. And therapy is fantastic. I recommend it for 27 years of therapy. Yeah. Now my mom would look at that and say, you you, therapy failed you. Yeah. Because it's not, but if I wasn't doing the therapy, I would be in such an uglier place. Whereas the therapy helps me to continue to maintain and grow and have strong relationships with my husband, with my family, with my kid and with other people in my life. And that I can show up as my authentic self because I'm checking in with someone who doesn't have the emotional buy-in in my life in the game. Yeah. Like, well, I wouldn't say that because I've been with my therapist now for six years. So okay. she has skin in the game. Okay, fair. She loves me and she cares about me, you know, but at the same time, like it's a professional loving and caring. It's different yeah. than, Absolutely. and she does not have the emotional attachment to my emotions and my life. Like she's an outside objective person who is safe, but that also does care about me. Sure. Yeah. And is able to then help facilitate helping me like when there's something that I'm not seeing or something that I'm fighting or something mm-hmm. to, you know, to call me on it and do things and do it in a way where like, if it was Corey that did it or dad or a sibling, like it, it wouldn't hit the same way. Sure. Absolutely. Because like when it comes from somebody who you have emotional baggage with, even if it's, it's good emotional baggage, so triggering, it can be, it, it can, can be. be. Yeah. Like sometimes it's not, sometimes, sometimes they're better able to reach you. Like my ex-husband right. was better able to reach me with some of these things than yeah. um, whatever, because of that emotional thing. But at the same time, a lot of other things are like, especially because of how we grew up, it ends up being if you criticized me on this, now all of a sudden I don't deserve your love yeah. or some other bullshit that's just I'm not, obviously I'm not, not enough. Right. I'm not good enough. Right. And hearing it from a third-party person who like doesn't, I mean, they may care about me, but they're not like, I love you and I'm here for There's you. There's no manipulation right. around it's, it. Just, it's just very, it's very different. So I, I'm a big fan of therapy. I think that. I think everyone <laughs> should have therapy. I think it's very important to find a therapist who fits for you because yes, there are lots of fit. therapists who don't fit for you. And that's so, not to say they aren't good therapists, but not every therapist is for every person. Just true. like every relationship isn't for every person. Absolutely. Like your, your personalities need to match and all the match and their training needs to match with what you need because I have to work with someone who has trauma training. Yeah, absolutely. And on top of that, because of the way that I have dealt with my trauma, it's been really helpful for me to work with a therapist who does what is called internal family systems. And um, that I'll, I'll definitely do a podcast at some point talking more about that and what that is, Mm -hmm. but internal family systems has been really great. And then right now also my therapist is doing something called SSP it's safe sound protocol. And so you would love this because the vagus nerve system, when it's over amplified, because you've lived in fight or flight for all this time, it gets, it, it gets just like hyperactive, right? Yeah. Migraines, um, fibromyalgia, anxiety, anxiety. Um, they all get amped up with that. The panic disorder that I had was all amped up with that. What the safe sound protocol does is it has certain wavelengths that are programmed into the music. It's been tweaked just a little bit and it's to help retrain the muscles in your, it's not a muscle, but to retrain your middle ear. 
yeah. and the way that it hears sound and translates it to your brain mm-hmm. so that you are no longer listening for the danger. It's so it's called safe sound protocol, SSP, and it has been phenomenal. I am, I've done just over four of the five hours of the program. Mm-hmm. We're probably going to finish up here in the next month or so. We don't do it every time. Sure. We, yeah. yeah. You got other things. You too. have to do it in the right frame of mind, because the point of it is you don't like a lot of therapy when you're working through anxiety and different things, like you're supposed to keep pushing through it, but with safe sound protocol, when anxiety shows up, you stop, you stop immediately, you talk through it, and then you come back to it later mm-hmm. and it keeps working for a while. And it's, I've had more growth with like feeling safe in my body, feeling safe in my home, feeling safe, just in general, a sense of safety and peace and calm in the last year since we've been working on this than before in my life. Yeah. And it shows up in really big ways. Yeah. And it's one of those things too. One of the things that I think not enough people realize is that depending on where you are in your journey and your own body chemistry or whatever, like all these different things, what medicines will work is going to vary. What techniques will in therapy work is going to vary. What worked for me when I was 18 is not applicable to me now because what worked for me at 18, it was very surface level where now I need to take some of those deep dives, right? Yeah. Like it's a different, it's a different ball game and it's okay to be like, mm, this isn't working for me. Like the first time I tried EMDR, I was like, this is bullshit. That's the eye movement thing, right? Yeah. yeah. And it's not just eye movement. You can also have sounds or vibrations or whatever, yeah. but yeah, it's like cross body. Like I've done it at another time with a different trauma and it was totally useful. And right. it's, that's all valid. That's all valid. So like, you don't have to be like, if it, you know, it's not just one way to find your happy place. So something doesn't work. Try something else. Try something else. And be open to Like, it's not a failure when one form of therapy doesn't work. And if you have a good therapist, they have an arsenal and they're willing to say, I'm at my max. I think that you need to find someone who can help you with X, Y, Z or whatever. Yeah. It's not a failure of mm-hmm. you or your therapist to need a different therapist. No. And sometimes, sometimes it is like one therapist, therapist, we got to be yeah. such good friends that we needed to end the therapy relationship because we were just too good of friends at that point. Yeah. And we had to make a decision. Do we want the friendship or do we want to continue with therapy? And then I realized that even if we were to continue with therapy, it wasn't going to keep working the same way because we had built the friendship and that that's not bad. I'm not, that's not at all bad. And I don't think that any ethical lines were crossed with that or anything. It's just that we hit a point where it was just time to, for me to find another therapist. Yeah. You know, and most of my therapists I have um, many years relationship with, and the one that I'm with right now, she's just like this facilitator of healing for me. Like, it's like this conduit. She's like, I feel like I don't even do a lot of the work, but she's so trained in everything that she does. And she's so clear in what she's looking. I don't know. How do I say that? Like, she's so, she's just so intuitive with what she does at this point that she only needs to make one or two statements to get my brain moving in the direction that it needs to go for me to follow through with the things I need to follow through on. And it's just extremely healthy. And there may come a point where it's time to move the relationship on, but for now it's working and and like intensely working. I've had so many huge growth moments working with her. It's useful for you to be able to say, this has reached its point of helping me. It's time to move on. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's okay. It's not a failure. You're not bad for needing a new therapist. Therapists are trained to be able to be fired all the time. And it's if they fine. can't handle that, then they're not a good therapist. They're in the wrong program. They're not a good therapist. Even as a massage therapist, I have been fired many times and I don't take it personally because I am not 
even as a massage therapist, I am not the massage therapist for every single person. I know I am a very good massage therapist. Somebody not liking my massage doesn't, doesn't hurt your ego. It doesn't hurt my ego at all. Like I had somebody coming in <laughs> who was mad about everything that I did that day. And they had come to me many other times and they had loved me every other time. And this day they just couldn't. And they were just like, they, they like railed into me and I just sat and listened to it. And I was like, sounds like you need a different therapist and it's okay. It's okay to need a different massage therapist right now. And I think that that's how mental health therapists are too. It's like, yeah. if they're good at what they do. I wish doctors were that way too. Oh God, that would be like nice. If they, could, if they say, could get rid of their ego enough to say it's time to go to somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. anyway. Yeah. It's, it's absolutely fantastic. And I'm okay. next. Here's the other question okay. I ask is if there is something that you're listening to or reading right now or watching. So TV show, podcast, book, um, audible, whatever mm-hmm. that, that you would like to share with the listeners. And I asked this because when I made the podcast, it's around the idea that if I'm my ideal listener, then these are all conversations that I'm excited about having. Sure. And so I share the things and my guests that I'm excited about having conversations with share the things and someone sure. might come across something that they wouldn't come across in another way. Yeah. This is hard because I don't watch a lot or listen to a lot right now. Media consumption that's useful for me. Oh, that's what Basically. I need. I need to remember that phrase. Media consumption. consumption that's useful. Yeah. Okay. So media consumption. Okay. One eight hundred psychicreader.com. Just kidding. <laughs> okay. okay. Yeah. So I just restarted listening to uh, my friend Spencer's podcast, uh, Tales of Nowhere, um, and it's. So people who like RPG, this is, this is the podcast for you. What's RPG? Um, I'm role-playing old. groups. Okay. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> you're good. I'm like, I'm old, <laughs> see, but see old isn't the issue. It's you're not in the right. I'm not a nerd. You're not that nerd. I am a nerd, but you not that nerd. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Role-playing group. So um, my friend Spencer and I have been writing, we haven't done anything together. Like haven't had a project together for years, but we used to write back and forth all the time. Like we would have projects all the time together. And one of his projects ended up this podcast and it's completely different than how we started it. But I think it's phenomenal that he's done this and it's it's called Tales of Nowhere. And it's these people end up in this cafe and they find out that basically if they want to get back to some sense of normal, they have to go through these experiences to, they have to go through these adventures to get stuff for the scientist so that he can rebuild the machine to send them back home. Um, Cause the cafe is and it's a podcast. Yeah. It's in literally in the middle of nowhere. So it's a fictional podcast that tells this story, but they role play different types of role playing games. Every single, they have different story arcs that role play these different oh, games fun. to get these different things that Components the guy to needs build to build the machine to send them home. That's clever. So it is. Well, how long have you known Spencer? Is this the Spencer that you knew back? Yeah. Oh yeah. I've known this kid since eighth grade. I was going to say, so hey Spencer, what's up? Hey Spencer, what's up? Yeah. If you ever hear this. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell him that he got a mention. Um, yeah, he's. We'll put, we'll put the link to his yeah, podcast in the show notes. It's super, super clever how it was put together and done. Um, and I'm not just saying this because he's my friend because I'm still very honest. Well, you wouldn't have mentioned it if it wasn't cool. So. No, I'm very honest. So like, I wouldn't like trash him publicly, but I also would not be boosting it. No, it's really clever. I, I was listening to it while I went for walks in the morning, every single morning. And it was, it was just kind of fun listening to their little adventures that they were doing in different types of RPGs. So I think they're on the second season right now. Maybe they just wrapped it up. I don't know. Fun. I'm not all the way there, but it's fun. It's just fun. It's a, it's a nice, fun thing to do. Cause I don't do a lot of fun things right now. So Simon, I think I'm going to have you back on the show sometime, especially since you're going to okay. be here for a bit. That works. 
Um, we've got other things, awesome things that are to talk about. Yeah. Like your trans journey and yeah. And tales of Cindy, Cindy Simon, whatever. I don't know. Whatever it ends up being. It's going to be the adventures of Simon. The adventures of Simon. Yeah. Tales of Cindy to adventures of Simon. Mm -hmm. Cool. So if people would like to connect with you on social media, where can they find you? I have right now. I haven't changed any of my handles from tales of Cindy. So you can find me on, um, Twitter, and I haven't used Twitter recently for under that name, but you can find me there and I do get on there. And then also on YouTube, I'm on Tales of Cindy and I think I still have my Instagram. I need to start, you know. I'll get the links from you and I'll put them yeah, in the show notes. They're all there. So. They'll all be there. All right, cool. Well, we re- I really appreciate having you here. It's been fun. As always, I love having these conversations. Yeah, it's great too. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I can't even say the word. Yeah, it was great. It was great. It was great. It was so great. great. So great. So much great. So much great. All the greats. All the greats. Diamond the great. Okay.